Have you ever struggled to believe that God actually wants you? Today on The Voice of Prophecy, we're going to talk about knowing for sure that you're okay with God and that God's okay with you. Welcome to another edition of The Voice of Prophecy. I'm Sean Boonstrow, your host, and today I think I'm going to take you up to a remote northern European country. And I remember one night up there, it was a freezing cold night in this remote northern European country, and this young lady walked up to me outside of an auditorium where I'd just been speaking. And she hesitated for a moment, and then she said, Look, I listened to what you said in there about God loves me, but I'm not sure... I believe that. Now, that wasn't the most surprising statement I've ever heard because I've heard that from thousands of people all over the planet. Because if there's one thing that imperfect people struggle with, it's the idea of being accepted by a perfect God. And everybody reacts to the idea that they're accepted by God a little bit differently or even that they need to be accepted by God. Some people just shrug it off and assume there's nothing wrong with them, and they almost adopt this defiant attitude that says, well, who is God to sit in judgment of me? Now, I don't know how many people would actually say those words, but the further we get into the 21st century and the further our civilization drifts away from God, the more I hear stuff like that all the time, this attitude of defiance, who is God to talk about me? I mean, just spend 10 minutes on Facebook or Twitter, and you'll see all kinds of people shaking their fist at God. So that's one way to deal with this huge gap between who we are and who God is. You just minimize it or dismiss it. You pretend it's not there. So some people deal with it that way. But for other people, and this is by far more common, this is by far the majority. For other people, they live with these nagging doubts that they will ever be accepted by God. And maybe they had parents who were always writing their case or waving a Bible at them to let them know they were falling short of the mark, that they were being a disappointment. Or maybe there's something in their past that is so dark and embarrassing that they can't imagine becoming accepted as part of God's family. Whatever it is, they have this hunch they are never going to measure up. You know, actually, Martin Luther, surprisingly, was one of those people. At some point in his career as a monk, he saw this picture on a wall of Jesus holding a lily in one hand and a sword in the other hand. Now, the lily in medieval art was supposed to represent the mercy and forgiveness of God. But like most people, Luther didn't fixate on that lily. That's not what he was drawn to in that painting. He was drawn to the sword, which was put in the painting to represent God's judgment. So when you go back and read Luther's writings, when you read some of his earlier thoughts, you find him trying to outdo all the other monks in the way of penance. He was trying to make himself good enough for God's judgment. So he wore a shirt made out of hair, and you can imagine how comfortable that would be, especially in the summer. He slept on a hard wooden board instead of on a, on a mattress, and he actually whipped himself, he whipped his own back in an attempt to deal with his sinful guilt. He knew he could not face the Jesus who held the sword. He knew that he could not stand in the judgment. So he tried to punish himself so that he could expunge his own guilt and make himself suitable. 
And of course, because that's not possible, because you can't pay for your sins, Luther, surprisingly, actually grew to distrust and hate God at one point. He actually said, and I'm quoting Luther now, I could not believe that anything I thought or did or prayed satisfied God. I did not love, nay, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. Unquote. It's a bit of a surprising quote from the great reformer, but it's not a surprising quote from a human being. Now, that's not everybody who struggles with guilt. They don't come all the way to the point where they hate God. But there is a segment of the population who grows to distrust God because they can't measure up. They're almost at the other end of the spectrum from the people who pretend there's nothing wrong with them. But either way, on either end of the spectrum, either dismissing God or giving up because you don't think you'll ever measure up, either way, you end up distrusting or even despising God. But in Northern Europe, this young lady who approached me that evening outside the auditorium, she hadn't fallen quite into either extreme yet. She was just struggling. She struggled to believe that God loved her, and it broke her heart to think that she might be eternally lost. Look, I know God exists, she said, but I'm also pretty sure he's not interested in me. And right at that point, she quit talking and she turned her face away from me, probably so that I wouldn't see she was crying. In that moment, my heart was breaking because I've seen so many people who feel like that. Maybe somebody told them they were worthless, or maybe a little later in life they had a failed marriage, or they had a spouse who ran away, or they got fired from their job in a way that completely humiliated them. Something happened in life to send them the signal that even if God does forgive people, they probably don't qualify. I mean, after all, why would God want them when mere human beings didn't? You see, when the world tells you repeatedly that you aren't as valuable as the rest of the human race, how could you not struggle with the idea that there's an all-powerful, all-knowing God who loves you? And then, let's say you go to church. You actually give it a try. You show up in church on the weekend, and you find out pretty quickly that some of the people who claim to be Christians can be really horrible people. The very people who insist they are God's chosen few can sometimes have a way of treating you that actually makes you hate church. And because you identify the church with God, you might even come to the point where you hate God. It happens. I've seen it. And it happens more than I'd like to admit. You know, when I was working in television, I used to get hate mail from so-called Christians all the time. They didn't like the way I talked. They didn't like the way I dressed. They didn't like something I said. They didn't like the story I told. They didn't like the way I play with my kids. They didn't like the food I eat. There was something they didn't like. And so they would write me and let me know. And I would read the letter and say, really, you profess the name of Jesus and you talk to people like this? So I know, I know it happens. And it happens a lot worse to some other people. And most of the time, you can shrug it off. Sometimes you can just walk away. But then there are other times when you're tired or you're frustrated or whatever it is. This stuff begins to eat at you, the constant criticism. But because you are, after all, a human being and you begin to have doubts. What if they're right? What if there is something wrong with me? What if I'm just not the kind of material God is looking for? 
And I remember this other young lady who hadn't darkened the door of a church for, oh, two or three years. And, and one night, for some reason, she decided to come to an evening meeting at the church. And you know, when she got there, she was really happy. I mean, really happy to be there. In fact, she sat right next to me and to my wife, and she struck up a conversation. And that evening, she was absolutely delightful. Her eyes were sparkling. And, and as we were talking, she mentioned that some boys had given her a rough time as she took the bus to church that evening. And they did things that boys sometimes do, you know, cat calls, rude comments, the sorts of offenses that feral packs of uncivilized boys will often commit. And at that moment, I mean, at that very moment, as she's telling us what happened to her on the way to church, one of the elders of that church walked by and heard what she was saying. And so he stopped and he couldn't wait to interject. And what do you think he said to her? Oh, Cindy, that's awful. You shouldn't have to ride the bus like that. Next time, call us and my wife and I will pick you up, right? That's what you'd hope he would say. And that's the way you'd hope someone would treat your daughter if she was visiting a church. But that's not what happened. Nothing like that. I hate to tell you almost, there was not a note of sympathy, not a hint of Jesus, not an ounce of consideration. You know what he said to her? He said, it's no wonder, Cindy, that happened the way you dress. I couldn't believe it. He could have done so much good for the kingdom, but instead at that moment, he thought he needed to put her in her place. He needed to tell her what was wrong with her. So now, not only did she suffer humiliation on the bus, she was actually humiliated in the house of God. And for what reason? So that elder could tell himself that he'd done a good job and told her the straight truth and put her in her place? So that he could feel good about having taught someone a lesson? I mean, you come to expect that stuff out in the world. That's the way people are. But in church, that, when you get there, you're hoping to find God. That's where you go to find hope, to find acceptance. And with so many people... They take that experience, if somebody does something awful to them at church, and they project it onto God, and they tell themselves, look, if God's people don't accept me, why would God? So yeah, it happens. And I know the kind of damage that it causes. And in just a moment, I'll take you back to Northern Europe, and I'll tell you more about that young lady who could not believe that God loved her. But right now, I do have to take a break to let you know a little bit more about our Discover Bible School. So buckle your seatbelts. I'll be right back. Life and its daily challenges can weigh us down, even when we have the best of intentions, leaving us with more questions than answers. Is it possible to have true peace and happiness in life? Are you searching for answers to this and other of life's most challenging questions? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online or on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like The Secret of Happiness and Is God Fair? You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Okay, we're back from the break, and just before we took the break, we were talking about some of the things that happen to people that cause them to believe that God might not be interested in them. And I was telling the story of a young lady in Northern Europe who obviously had something happen, and, and I never found out what that was. 
But it's really not all that important because it almost never matters what it is. The Bible is full of people who have done the same things you've done in life, or even worse, and God forgave them. And yet, millions of people struggle to believe that God really wants them. So here's what I thought we'd do today, because so many people have doubted, because so many people have told me they just don't believe it. I thought instead of asking other people what God is like, I would let God do the talking. We'll let him describe himself, because people have this way of putting words in God's mouth that aren't his words. We recreate God in our own image, which sometimes isn't a very pretty picture. So let's let God talk. If you've ever struggled with the idea that God actually wants you, today I want you to listen very carefully. I mean, at the very least, God deserves a fair hearing before you give up on Him. And don't you think you owe it to yourself to stop listening to all the blowhards out there and all the know-it-alls and just let God talk? If you think for one moment that your case is hopeless, that God doesn't actually want you, then you need to do this. You need to listen. And maybe the best place to start is one of the most famous passages in the Bible. You know that one you see at all the football games, John 3.16. But we're not going to just read John 3.16. We're going to read the verse that comes after it, too, because for some reason that verse never seems to get much airplay. So here we go. Listen to this, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, before I read the next verse, I, I want you to think about what you just heard. This verse has been quoted so many times that people sometimes don't actually hear what it says, especially if they've had a bad experience with religious people. So think about this for a minute. It says God so loved the world, and it doesn't say except. It doesn't say God so loved the world except for you. It doesn't say God so loved the world except for a certain class of people. There are no exceptions. And it says that whoever believes in him will not perish. And again, no exceptions. It's not talking about everybody except you. And if people are somehow giving you the impression this doesn't apply to you, that you are somehow below human, then you need to blow them off and listen to God. And then listen to the next verse, verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I don't know how much plainer that can get. God doesn't intend to lose the human race, and he does not intend to lose you. He's not out there somewhere in the universe trying to think up ways to get rid of people. Right now, he's not having a meeting with the angels so they can brainstorm new methods to keep you out of heaven. I mean, really, think about this. If God wasn't interested in you, would he really give his life for you? Would he really condescend to become a human being and live on this miserable planet and subject himself to the abuse that we heaped on him and die the most horrible death you can imagine? Would he really do all that if he wasn't interested in saving you? Just listen to what it says. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And that means he's not trying to condemn you. You are not the only exclusion from God's plan. Look, the fact is that every single one of us has already been condemned by our sins. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All God had to do if he wasn't interested in you was do nothing. He could just let us die in our misery. He didn't have to do anything to get rid of any of us because we were already separated from him and we were already lost and condemned to die. So the default position for the whole human race is lost. But the really incredible thing about the Christian faith is that God became one of us. 
There's no other religion like this. God personally intervenes in human history. He inserts himself into the story. Why? Because he doesn't want to lose you. And I know what some of you are thinking. This might apply to everybody else, but it doesn't apply to you because of all the stuff you've done, right? The relationships you've ruined, the people you've hurt, the crimes you've committed. You, you think that because your life is so dark, so bad, so messed up, you think that God couldn't possibly be talking about you. Everybody else, sure, but you, no, you're just too messed up. And you've got this little voice reminding you every day that you're a sinner separated from God. But listen to me, you're exactly the kind of person God's interested in. And right after this break, I will prove that to you. Are you searching for answers to life's most difficult questions? Answers to help you make sense of the things that are happening right now in your life? Answers to the deepest questions in life like, can God really forgive me? Guilt and shame can be terrible burdens to carry and can leave us wondering if God really can love us and accept us. Are you wondering if there really is a chance for true happiness in this life? If there is a secret to living a happy, contented life in a world of uncertainty? Well, if you're searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions, we are here to help. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888-456-7922, for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. You'll find answers in guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and From Guilty Sinner to Forgiven Saint. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides as the major themes of the Bible come to life. Begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions and log on today to BibleStudies.com. Okay, just before we took a break, I said I was going to prove that no matter what you've done, you're exactly the kind of person God is interested in. So I want you to listen to something Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15. And of course, Paul is a superhero of the Christian faith, right? A man above reproach, a superstar of Christianity. And yet listen to what he says. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You see, the truth is, Paul struggled with the same thoughts you do. He considered himself to be the chief of sinners. And that's because the great apostle, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, used to persecute Christians for a living. In fact, he was on his way to round up Christians when he was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus. He knew he couldn't earn God's favor. He knew there was nothing he could do to earn a spot in heaven. He knew he had God's favor through Jesus. He's exactly the kind of person Jesus came to save. He came to save sinners, not saints, not heroes, not people who are good enough. He came to save sinners. And that's what he says himself, Luke 5.31. Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Look, the fact is, if you were good enough, Jesus wouldn't have to bother. 
but I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. And according to the book of Romans, all have sinned, and that's the reason Jesus came. He says, Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Romans 5, verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 10, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Look, the whole point is that we aren't good enough and God still wants you. Look, if you don't feel adequate, I'm actually a lot less worried about you than I am about people who feel like they are good enough because those people don't get it yet. You can't earn heaven. You can't clean yourself up and hope to get in that way. Look, I, I promise you right now, there is nothing you have done. There is no line that you have crossed. There is nothing you have said that can keep God from loving you. Absolutely nothing. And the New Testament is loaded with proof. The Old Testament loaded with proof if only we take the time to listen. When someone like me, when someone like you, with a dark past, with a list of horrible sins, when that person says, Lord, I don't know what to do about this, you know that actually puts a smile on God's face? He knows that you just open the door for him to help. And at that moment, angels sing and God smiles. And I'm not making that up. It says so in the book of Zephaniah. God sings. Listen to this. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God in your midst... The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I know it's hard to believe, but believe it. You are so interesting to God. You are so exciting to God. He actually starts singing when you take a step in His direction. The whole point of the Bible is that God loves you. Not because of what you can do for Him, but because... You're his child. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He delivered him up for us all. Do you know how I know God loves you? Jesus, dying on a Roman cross. Jesus, standing quietly in the courtroom as they lie about him and spit in his face and whip his back and rip out his beard and then put him to death in the most horrific way imaginable. And he just took it. He laid down his life willingly. And it's at that point that you start to realize that God was actually willing for his own perfect, blameless son to go through all that because it meant that you could be reconciled to him. You know, they, they say you can tell what something is worth, what it's really worth, by what people are willing to pay for it. During the market crash of 2008, people might have thought their homes were still worth what they paid for them, but unfortunately, the market sets the price and their houses were only worth what people were willing to pay. So think about that. At the very moment when you don't think you're worth much to God, when someone else is telling you or making you feel like you don't add up, remind yourself what God was willing to pay for you. Remember the price tag he put on your life. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up, the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. 
When God says he loves the world, he does mean you. You can take this to the bank. You might as well take out a pen and write your own name over the verse. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus thought you were worth his life. And what you need to do today is choose to believe it. In fact, sometime you might want to head on over to Isaiah chapter 53 and read that passage out loud. But when you're reading it out loud, wherever it says our or we, try putting your own name in there. Somebody taught me this years ago, and it's powerful. Read the passage with your name, right? I've done it. Isaiah 53 verse 4, Surely he has borne Sean's griefs and carried Sean's sorrows. Yet Sean esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for Sean's transgressions. He was crushed for Sean's iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought Sean peace, and with his wounds Sean is healed. Try it. Do it. Do it today. Do it again tomorrow. Read it every day of your life so you finally get it. God means you. Now, one more verse, and then I'm going to run out of time. I mean, I wish we had a four-hour show today because there's just so many passages that underline the way God loves you, but just one more. And this is one I actually read to that young lady outside the auditorium in Northern Europe. 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All of it. And again, you'll notice, no if, and, or but. It doesn't say he'll forgive all unrighteousness except murder, or all unrighteousness except homewreckers, or drunks, or cheats, or liars, or people with a dirty secret. It just says he'll cleanse us from all of it. You know, it's kind of a shame that the days of the Billy Graham crusade are over, because I always liked how he ended his meetings. It was just so simple. The choir sang, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. It really was for you. So believe it and live it. And thanks for listening. I'm Sean Boonstra. You've been listening to The Voice of Prophecy. Are you searching for answers to life's most challenging questions? Answers to help you make sense of the chaos in today's world. Answers to the deepest questions in life, like how can I know that Jesus was real? Was he more than a man, and how do I even know the stories of his time on earth are true? How can I know that the Bible is something that I can believe today? And questions like, if the Bible is true, well, what happens next after this life? Is there really a heaven? And in this world of uncertainty, you might be wondering, is there actually a chance for true happiness in this life? Disappointments like illness and loss of employment can hang like clouds over our lives. Life's daily, routine challenges can be overwhelming, and even the things that once made us happy can begin to seem empty. Is it really possible to have a happy, contented life in such an uncertain world? Well, if you're searching for answers to these and other of life's biggest questions, we are here to help. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888-456-7922, for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online at our website, BibleStudies.com, or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. 
At BibleStudies.com, you will find the Discover Bible Guides in nearly 50 languages, including Spanish, Japanese, Tagalog, and Russian. Now, this is a great resource for the family member or friend that you know is looking for answers but struggles with English. At BibleStudies.com, click on the interactive world map and find the language that you're looking for. At BibleStudies.com, you'll find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life and Does My Life Really Matter to God? Answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. The major themes of the Bible come to life as we study together guides like When Jesus Comes for You and From Guilty Sinner to Forgiven Saint. And we have lessons just for the kids in your life. Your kids will love KidZone at BibleStudies.com. They'll enjoy the colorfully illustrated stories and interactive lessons in the 14 KidZone Bible Guides. And while you're online, be sure to visit us at VOP.com. At VOP.com, you'll find audio archives of this program, the latest ministry news, and resources to help you dig deep into God's Word. Begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions and log on today to BibleStudies.com.